Um, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Rufaro, uh, back again with um, Technically, um, the podcast where we talk about anything tech-related, and I am joined by the two usual suspects, um, Ed, in alphabetical order this time. <laughs> Hello. I'm here. Very excited uh, this week. I don't know why. <laughs> it's raining. It's probably that. I love the rain. I mean, you're not hot when it's raining. You're just chilling there, cool. Um chilling yes you're just chilling um and yeah that sense of of rain that you were talking about earlier yeah love it i dig it it's quite something smells fresh and then we have the guy who starts to join the conversation without an introduction valentine (laughs) (laughs) it's what i do It's, 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 it's now it's now my trademark yeah so, uh, right, getting into it. So today we've got three interesting topics. And the first one that we're going to be talking about is it's one of those things where you're like, okay, um, it's 2020, we're getting into 2021. Do I buy the latest phone that just came out um, a week ago? Or do I wait um, to, to get the next one that comes next year? Or do I buy one from last year? I think I think um, from there I would like to start it off with a with a question. Hey, answering a question with a question. They call it a Samanyika thing, but anyways, let's roll with it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so there is there is um oh actually the question I want to ask is uh, all all three of us uh, when we bought our phones were they the current devices released that same year? Or were they devices released uh, in a previous year or two? I don't know. I'll just start with you, Valentine. Uh, t- talk to us. You, I think, of the three of us, you were the last one to purchase a smartphone. Indulge us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was mine's a 2019 A30s. So it's it was kind of newish when I got it because I think it was they came out in November. Um, so yeah, it it it, it was new. We're waiting for the well, we got we got the announcement for the new uh, Samsung mid ranges last week. So yeah, it's now an old phone. Mm, mm. Okay, so you bought it when you bought it this year, last year? Uh, this year in March, I think. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was less than six months old. That's not bad. Mm. What about you, Rufaro? All right, so so as for me, my man is away from the keyboard for a bit, uh, but as for me, I have a Huawei P30 Pro, which was released uh, the first quarter, I would say the first quarter of 2019. I don't know which month exactly, probably around March, April, but yeah, Huawei P30 Pro. Uh, 2019, I bought it this year around April. So I would say roughly I bought it, I bought a, a year old. Uh, what, um, reason being, well, the price seemed good. So yeah, I decided to just go with it. But uh, yeah, uh, that's me. Uh, well, quick, quick, man's back, Rufaro. Well, quick question for Oh, sorry. Quick question for Far Johnson. Why did you go for Huawei without, you know, app support and, you know, um, it generally being the lowest tier <laughs> Android? <thing>? Oh man, <laughs> Rafaro, the man asked the question, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, uh, reason why I bought Huawei is. I'll just, I'll just try and keep it like super short. So um, I used a bunch of smart, a bunch of smartphones before. And one of the earliest smartphones, one of the earliest smartphones, if not the first Android smartphone I used was a Huawei. It was a Huawei G730. Uh, it seemed cool. It was all right. Uh, there was nothing fancy about it, except that the battery life was better than my previous phone and that the screen was bigger. But 
everything else my previous phone was better so yeah wasn't really a cool experience but um after i then i then sold that huawei then i got a huawei ascend p6 which at the time was the world's slimmest smartphone yes of course it came with slightly more terrible battery but apart from that everything else was phenomenal so phenomenal to the point that i installed a chinese custom software just to experience emui 3.1 it killed a couple of things but i didn't care cuz well the important stuff worked but the experience i got from that huawei was so incredible that i wanted another huawei sadly from there huawei's became so popular to the point that they were now like their value didn't drop so i couldn't afford the huawei anymore so i then ran along with uh, lg then for a bit it was sony then for a bit it was zte and l back to lg again which is when i then upgraded to the huawei that i have right now so yeah all i can say is it feels good to be back <laughs> yeah well excuses people make when you know they're using a phone or google play services anyway faro <laughs> What phone do you currently have? It does. <laughs> it does. Uh, <laughs> so, so sorry for the silence earlier. You know, being a dev, you can just get caught out of everything when things are burning. Nothing was burning, fortunately. Um, but yeah. So, what phone am I currently using? That's the question. Um, I'm currently using yes. uh, OnePlus Seven Pro. Yes. Uh, you want to know why? I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of excited to tell you why. Tell yeah, us. <laughs> okay, so unlike unlike Ed, Ed is pretty much the unofficial Zimbabwean Huawei brand brand ambassador. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm not I'm not at the moment tied to a specific brand. I was sort of to Samsung because I had the Samsung um, Note One, Note Two, Note Three, and then I jumped to S Six, and then. From S6, A5, um, 2017, and then from A5, I then came to OnePlus. So going from A5, it was a mid-ranger, and I needed to get a flagship phone, or I wanted to. Um, so then I had options, and I was like, okay, Samsung, I've I've been there, but then I wanted something different, something I haven't used. It had to be easily customizable, um, no bloatware. Um, it had to be fast, and also it had to have an all-screen display. That was like one of the most important things that I wanted. So OnePlus pretty much ticked most of the boxes. And I was like, okay, um, let's try out this company called OnePlus. Uh, never used a OnePlus before, got it. And and yeah, it's it's been great um, so far. It's been a year because um, I got it last year in December. And yeah, I, I don't think I would have got any other phone. Well, it's easier saying that now, um, but at that time, mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I'm using I guess the right interesting, now. like yeah, the screen. It's 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 all on the screen. <laughs> so I was saying, I was saying, like, um, of of the three of us, you two are the only guys, uh, that bought a phone, uh, within, well, before twelve months had passed after its release. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Just shows how expensive mm-hmm. Huawei is. I, I I couldn't up until after the P40 was released. So, yeah, it was. Something. But the thing is, for me, it was also a ramp up period. So I went like three years or something using the same phone, and I was kind of like saving up for that. So that also factors into like, and it was also on sale. That's the other thing. Uh, when I got it, so if it wasn't on sale, I I don't think I would have out of bought it. Um, I might have still. I yeah. I don't know. That's always a question. Eh? At what point do you say this is too much? Um, I guess this then feeds into our discussion of okay, do I get an older device or do I get a new one? Because price then comes into play. To like, how much is too much, or how much is it not then worth it to get the current one versus getting an old one? Yeah. Um. There, there are quite a number of, um. You know old flagship phones that are kind of still bang for value. Um, and there are a bunch of Android phones, like especially mid-range Android phones uh, that you can still that you can get for older that you can get. But flagship phones are the ones where 
you can actually get a reasonably priced old flagship phone with, which is still up to date. And my pick might surprise you because um, I've become something of a Samsung fanboy over the last six months, seven months. Um, but I owned this phone briefly uh, in 2018, no, 2018, yeah, early 2018. And I, I know all of you are going to roll your eyes at my pick, but it's the iPhone 8. Now, I know unconventional pick, but like what I like about it is that it's still upgradable. Making it sound like 4. we hate iPhone. You guys do. <laughs> don't don't try to sound diplomatic now. <laughs> you guys are <laughs> the biggest iPhone haters. Well, you know, um, well, here's the here here are my reasons for picking it. I think the upgradability of it to, to iOS 14 is 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 good. I think it's upgradable to iOS 14.2, which is cool. Uh, you know, you still get pretty much all the recent-ish features. Um, the phones, like iPhones don't really change from generation to generation that much. Um, so you still get that very good build quality. You still get um, Apple's dependability uh, because I've owned a bunch of Samsung, in my, some Samsung in my life and there's a period in time where they just fall off. But iPhones kind of hold up really well. My iPhone 5S has been good since like 2016. Um, so, you know, I think value for money, like you'll probably get it for like, well now, two fifty uh, at the most. Um, um, these are these are my prices. This, this is where I will start. Two fifty probably is the most I pay for. Uh, but the people will be selling it for more than that. But I think for that kind of price range, if you're going to go for a mid range, you might as well consider if you want to get into iPhone or you know if someone has always wanted an iPhone but you can't afford the higher end spec iPhones or the new spec iPhones because they're like so ridiculous, ridiculously expensive now. Then yeah, it's probably worth looking at the, at the iPhone 8, especially the, the Plus. Plus is really good. The screen real estate is amazing. Yeah, so Apple, Apple really, in terms of device support, they do, they, they, they're pretty much the gold standard. Um, so yeah, it does make sense to, to recommend an iPhone um, if someone's going to get an older device because support will be good. However, um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend uh, an iPhone, not necessarily because I have anything against iPhones, um, but just because I've not used one for a long time. So me recommending something is just purely coming from, or well, not used one in a long time. I don't think I've, I can say I've actually ever used an iPhone as a, as a phone that I use. Um, but so because of that, probably just then goes to Android, which Android now, yeah. Uh, it would have to go back to Samsung because um, it's what I've used before and kind of understand. Um, and which Samsung in particular, really it can be, right now we're on the watch, we're on the S20s. Um, uh-huh. So probably the S10, um, that would be the previous one, right? Or, or the Note 10 um, between those, but I'll probably lean towards the Note, uh, but then the Note is also not for everyone. So, so there's that. But that's from um, from I've used it before. It worked. Um, I have I've not had any issues when I've had the Samsung, and um, price wise, um, I wouldn't be too sure right now to be like, okay, would it be the best deal for you price wise, or you'd rather go for OnePlus uh, Seven Pro, which I can't use and it's last year. <laughs> so so in a straight shootout. Um, you'd still go OnePlus instead of the Note 10. So right now, yes, because I've used a OnePlus now, um, I would get the, except now it, it comes with an asterisk because because of that all screen thing. So the OnePlus 8, um, the current generation, um, they, they don't have an all screen um, display. So they added a punch hole camera, I think. Um, so in terms of aesthetics, if that was the previous one, I'll probably say no, um, but then that's just a me nitpicking to be like, okay, I don't like that, so don't get it for that reason. But then, really, um, in terms of specs and a device holding up um, to its age as time goes on, I think OnePlus is the next um, thing close to to iPhone outside of the Pixel devices, um, just because they don't have a lot of bloatware, uh, so things get to degrade much less. Um, so it's almost like Pixel, um, of course, it would want Huawei to then come next. Um, 
probably Ed would probably say Huawei is on top of Pixel, um, but then I would go Pixel and then OnePlus Huawei may be on the same level or something um, in terms of devices lasting longer um, just because of that issue of, okay, how good is the software? Uh, because the hardware really across the devices is almost the same. So the thing then comes to the software, but okay, will it hold up or, or not? Interesting. Hmm. Thank you so much for, <laughs> for mentioning me, putting me in the top <laughs> spot. I, I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, I, I, like, I like how both of you have been talking about the devices that you've used and experienced and um, your wishes to, to recommend those. Uh, I'm gonna go a slightly different route in 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 mention because I've used a number of phones, but I've also not used a number of phones. But I've also seen the price drop of some phones that just makes them such good value to get, even though they haven't been used. So part of the reason why I got LG uh, after getting after after I was done with the Ascend P6. So the Ascend P6 is what I, it was actually a storage issue that forced me. No, it was a storage and software issue that forced me to look for another phone because uh, some apps like Facebook were not were no longer running, saying that the the operating system is too old. Uh, and it came with a 16 gig internal storage, which oh, actually it was an eight gig internal storage, which was. Uh, very little for the type of user that I am. And that's one of the heavy ones. So I then went to LG because at the time, LG was offering fantastic hardware. And again, at the time, fantastic software. Um, but it somehow wasn't getting the same appeal as other devices on the market. Uh, partly it was because of their... LG G3s and G4s boot looping. That was, that was a thing. But they were amazing value in terms of what you would get for the money. And that is why I got the LG G4. It then died on me. And then I went on Samsung. Sorry, not Samsung, Sony. And uh, then I went to another LG, which didn't die on me. In fact, I still have it up to now, like almost four years later. Still works. Um, Price-wise... LGs, like I mentioned, they come with a very fantastic value for money proposition. So if you are looking for a smartphone, I'm biased towards flagships. I don't want to use a phone knowing that there's one that's better than it in that same class. So um, flagships all the way, I would say the LG, um, the LG G7 G8, as well as the V40s and V45s, uh, both of them, well, all four of them, they've got fantastic hardware. They've got fantastic cameras, fantastic software. I think the only part where they lag a bit behind with other brands that I shall mention after them is on battery. Uh, they have slightly smaller batteries. So topping them up will be a bit frequent, but everything else it's on point. The build is solid. They come with their so-called military standard shock drop resistance so that's cool and then what i what i usually recommend a lot of people aka what i usually buy other people if they decide to you know convince me to buy them devices is huawei as rufaro said um huawei because for me personally through my own experience their processors are kind of more resilient than snapdragon processors over time so um, they still, uh, to some extent, maintain better performance after a certain period compared to Snapdragon ones. They are kind of like toe-to-toe -to -toe when they're both still new, but use it after two or three years. And yeah, the Huawei somehow just still seems faster. Then the other one is Huawei doubled down heavily on battery as well as, uh, as, well as battery management. So their phones are super good on battery. And then, well, the star of the show me is their cameras. Huawei has been, has been doing things in the camera department as well. So if you want something that takes good photos with, uh, I'll say with minimum effort, 
I don't know how minimum it is compared to other brands like the Pixel, but yeah, uh, taking photos with minimum effort, I would recommend Huawei. And um, other brands, honorable mentions are Sony. Sony is one of those weird brands that doesn't drop in price a lot. So they're a bit difficult to recommend, but if you can get like something like an Xperia uh, XZ, their naming system sucks, but those ones are fantastic as well uh, for the money right now. They're like two, three-year-old flagships. And, uh, and then iPhone is also a good one in terms of software support. They, they, they are the gold standard when it comes to software support. So I would say right now recommending anything from an iPhone 7 going up um, for someone who just wants an iPhone that works, who's not too particular, but a lot of stuff. One, uh, you can get the iPhone 7, iPhone 8. For someone that wants a bit more, then you can go for the iPhone 8 Plus and X. I guess those ones will be cool. But again, I'm biased towards flagships. That's why I'm saying big phones. <laughs> uh, Samsung is also pretty good. You can now get like the S9s, Note 9s and for very good money. Like they have very good value right now. Uh, I'm, I'm personally not a big Samsung fan, which is why it's like almost bottom of the list but Sacrilege. Uh, Sacrilege. <laughs> but oh, man. hey man like <laughs> people have preferences like that, don't disrespect samsung like that man it's not huawei like samsung is, is... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, won't, we, we won't dive too deep into that but they are offering like really good value right now especially if you go for those uh those i'd say ninth gen Samsung, the S9s and the Note 9s. Very good devices, very good hardware. Uh, I think they're still getting software support to like the new uh, One UI 2. Point something and One UI 3. So if that comes through, it, it even looks better as well. So um, those ones are fantastic. Um, so the brands that, are, that I just listed are brands that are commonly found in my region in Zim. So I'm pretty sure in other markets, there are other more fancier brands like Oppo's, like Realme's, like Xiaomi's. Oh, yeah, I was about to say that. How come we didn't mention Xiaomi? Well, I, I have never liked I, Xiaomi's. I mean, it is <laughs> well, locally available. Uh, no? Yes, it is yeah. locally available, but only mid-rangers are available locally. So your Redmi Notes, your Redmi 7s, and... Wow it's difficult to find like it's a unicorn if you try to look for like the me eights me nines me mixes yeah those ones i can mention i can literally mention one or two shops that i know they have and nowhere else will you find them so uh since i'm talking i'm biased towards flagships didn't really include it because most of the uh xiaomi's that are available are not flagships mm-hmm. so interest something interesting that you mentioned um just had me have a question so you said the ninth um gen of samsung's so now i'm wondering um how old is too old so that's like three years back <laughs> no like in in yeah. my view i'm like hey that's that's a bit too far to 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 be buying um a three year old well. flagship now um, it makes sense to buy the latest now and keep it for three or five years, but not to buy one from three or five years ago. So where is that sweet spot where we're like, okay, uh, once you cross this number of years, it's cheaper, but yeah, it's not going to be worth, uh, okay, you get a better deal performance, price to performance ratio by buying uh, less old flagship. I think probably that's a, that's a very three years. I think three years is probably fine. Like, if you're looking at 2017, probably would be a good sweet spot to hit, um, uh, because um, generally all the all the phone makers have gotten a lot better with keeping you up to date with software. Um, so you'll be fine for a year or two, I think. I think I'm not sure about Samsung. They are sometimes very bad when it comes to um, giving you new updates. I know I just spoke I spoke against Samsung, but yeah, it's, it's it's one of those things that they don't really do well. I think going over three years is just pushing it a little bit. I think if it's if you're buying a device that's over 
like three years old is probably for someone who's it's their first device. So whatever it is, they're going to enjoy it, you know, either way, buying it for a kid or buying for someone who's never really owned a smartphone. I think, yeah, in that range of, of, of um, three years and above probably would be good because um, they wouldn't really mind and, you know, just keep discovering and exploring and then you can upgrade it in two or three years for something, you know, a step back again. Because your phones are expensive and if, you know, trying to dial it in closer is sometimes, especially with Zimbabwe, the way it is now, I, like, if anyone wanted a phone for a Christmas present from me, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was actually going to be part of my response as well. Um, the sweet spot is such a tricky place considering where we are at and the type of person that will be looking to buy a smartphone. So for us, uh, the enthusiasts, you would want to get as recent a phone as possible just so that you can enjoy more like software support, software updates and the like. Um, but yeah, Valentine, Samsung's been actually reasonably cool when it comes to updates. I saw, uh, I think the Note 5 is going to be one of the devices that will be getting the One UI uh, software update. So to me, that was like, wow, that's, that's a very old phone. <laughs> still getting updates so so yeah like samsung is trying to i think because of whatever it is that's going on between america and huawei they're like hey let's just make people happy and lock them into the samsung ecosystem but story for another day for today um the the time i don't know three years sounds like it's a decent place to be but again it depends with the software support and the hardware capabilities of the device. So for example, when we look at hardware, hard, hardware capabilities of the device, I'm um, speaking of stuff like how the processor holds up over time and how the battery holds up over time. So uh, again, I'm sorry for Samsung, but Samsung previously was notorious for their batteries uh, quickly degrading. Um, and that is something that would make them make it hard to recommend for someone who wants to buy like a three-year-old flagship because probably the battery is degraded so far that it's now almost unusable. Um, something that, um, again, unfortunately, that's the best example I have. Something that Huawei has been good at is maintaining battery health over time. And so that is something that you might want to consider when you are picking a phone from way back. What's the history of these phones? I mean, most probably these phones are already in the market. There are already people using them. So getting a feel of them from guys who are already using them will give you the sort of idea of, is this a good phone to buy three years after its release or I'll rather go with another. And... Uh, that's pretty much it. Three years, I think, is pretty is a pretty cool place to 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 go for enthusiasts. Mm. That is okay. So three years for enthusiasts, and then yeah, five years for the general. Um, interesting. Uh, so yeah, so I don't know. Uh, for me, that that was about it. Um, on this topic, um, I'm not sure if anyone has still had any more thoughts they wanted to share. I'm good. I think for this topic, we are right. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, so one of the things we buy devices for, at least some people, whether it's a smartphone or a laptop, is to play games. Um, so you might be wondering, okay, so which is the currently best class of games for you to play? Now, I guess we need to like narrow this down because it's probably going to be a different list if we are talking about mobile games and a different one if we're talking about uh, PC games. Uh, PC and console, they're kind of like the same. We can group those together, but between mobile and PC, I think they might be too different. Um, so so which one are we going with? Mm, I think we'll go PC console. Okay, so so PC console. So which is the best class of games in uh, on a PC or a console? Are we talking shooters? Um, are we talking um, uh, racing games, um, sport games? Yeah. Or are we talking city builder games? 
with the way I said that, you kind of get a hint where I'm leaning towards. Um, but yeah. Well, well, I guess we we pick our favorite class and then we make a case for it. I think that that's that's the only way we can do it. Because if we try and you know cross place it, the city build mm-hmm. a lever among us. I'm not gonna mention any names. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you can go first, I guess, um, since you had the mic, Vanessa. Uh, uh, I think first person shooters are are eternal. You can't beat them. Like mm-hmm. you, you can't beat the single player. Like when single player was actually a thing. Um, I remember playing Black on PS2. Underrated um, first-person shooter. The cards, of course, um, uh, Rainbow Six. It's it's uh, was Splinter Cell um, first-person? I don't think it was. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure actually. I don't think it was, but like I, I like first-person shooters because it's it's. I made the transition from playing with a with a on console, sorry, to going to mouse and keyboard. And they changed everything of the way I view the, the accuracy you can get with, with, with first-person shooters is crazy. And the time you can just chew away is insane as well. Because um, <laughs> I remember we were playing online COD. I don't know which one it was, but like the competition in there is crazy. Like you get brought down to, to a level after, you, after playing, you know, uh, single play for so many years and getting into a lobby and then meeting guys who are actually really good at what they do. And then you have to learn on the fly, and it, it, it's annoying getting headshotted like three or four times. And you know, um, COD was where my love for first-person shooters started, um, because you know it was it was fast-paced-ish for me, and and I, I like that. I think it it grew more when I started playing Borderlands. I think it was in 2011, I think the first Borderlands. Then Borderlands Two came out two years later. Um, yeah, it's again more of an open world. Uh, Borderlands again, organized to yeah, you do get missions and side quests and stuff, but like the 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 game itself in in first person made me hate like you know the the, the third person view because I wanted that you know that focus view of having you know you and the gun and you aiming and stuff like that. I I, I love it. Yes, it's like I can pick one up and just and just start playing. It's just lack of time these days that has made it difficult to, to play a few games. But yeah, I think for for. For LAN parties, especially back in the day, we played a lot of it. Like, it was one of the best things to do was, I remember a friend of mine was helping me level up in Borderlands, and we just hooked up uh, laptops together and we started playing. And it, it, it was just ed- endless amounts of fun. I've tried it with other uh, uh, game devs, I think. I tried Rocket League, didn't like that. Um, I tried uh, the MMORPGs, the old, uh, old Warcraft, although I did, did not enjoy those one bit. I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a of a first of an FPS uh, fanboy. Here ends my rant. <laughs> well, so actually, like even though I started and I was saying um, city builders, uh, I would agree with you. Uh, first person shooters is what I would naturally pick because of all the reasons that you are that you are mentioning. And so for me, I actually started gaming like consistently. Ah, recently, probably what. 2018, I think, um, right around the time that I got my current laptop, um, somewhere there. And one of the games that I played back then was Battlefield 1. And yeah, it was super cool. Uh, and then went to, uh, wait, is Battlefield the only first person shooter I've played so far? I'm so uh, no. Yeah, so that's the thing. So I didn't, like growing up, I, I didn't have that like strong gaming. Um, culture, so I missed that those waves of the Call of Duties, the the Chichis, um, the gaming that I did that I remember. It was mainly racing, and that was like the Need for Speeds. But that was in a very short like space of time. That by the time I was probably um, in my teens, I think that's when like it all just went dark. There was like no gaming up until like uh, recently. So there's like a blank spot there. Um, but yeah, uh, that first person shooters and then the others are adventure games. Um, is that how you'd classify? No, open world games. I think that's how, that's what they're classified as. So the Witcher is an open world game, right, Ed? Or yeah. It yeah, is, right? Yeah. Yes, so Witcher. Yeah, it's an open world game, yeah. 
GTA is also open world. Um, and which which other one? Um, I'm forgetting. You said then go blank. Um, but yeah, open world games would be like uh, probably the same level as first person shooters. To be honest, um, I couldn't pick one uh, because they are both good. Um, so open world, I like the flexibility of I get to do whatever I want in this like open world <laughs> so so that's a big plus for me uh in terms of why i like open world but now what i really want to talk about is this weird uh, class of games not weird but like probably a class of games that i never thought i would appreciate and really like get sucked into city builders um so i've played the sims before and it's it's not a city builder but it's got that vibe of like you're kind of like simulating um someone's life or um this character's life but then city builders you're you're focusing more on the actual city development so you're looking at okay you're gonna have to zone some residential areas commercial industry you're gonna have to figure out traffic which is like a real like challenge in this uh, city builder games and the one specifically i'm talking about is city skylines so i'm currently back i'm about to get addicted again so it's funny when you know you're about to get addicted and you have the choice of do i avoid this or do i just dive in and accept that you know what this is my guilty pleasure so i like them because it's a, it's almost like uh it's not a puzzle game but you've got this challenge that comes up and it can be random so for example your population grows up and then you now have all these resource um, issues that you have to figure out. So it's almost like it's always changing and the, the difficulty is always increasing because um, the variables, they're just not many, but they're, they are quite a lot to just keep you engaged. Though you can get to a point where things kind of stabilize and you're, you've got the hang of it. Um, but fortunately, like you can get a DLC. So for example, with City Skylines, you can get a natural disaster um, DLC that just wreaks havoc on your city and keeps you engaged even if you thought it was not easy because now you know, a tsunami comes on or a meteorite strikes the city, what are you going to do uh, about that? So it's, it, it takes time. It, you sink a lot of hours into these games. Um, particularly city scanners because you can really go crazy with it in terms of designing uh, which is also another thing of why I probably like it because you get to build something from scratch and you see it come to life as you envision it um, which reminds me of coding because that's what I like about coding you get to build something from scratch from an idea and it comes out to be something so as Valentine said earlier this is the end of my rant because uh, yeah I could go on and on about why city building games, particularly, I think I should keep referencing this, city skylines, uh, why they are a class of games that you should probably try out, but they're definitely not for everyone. Like, at that I accept, like, mm, yeah. First person shooters or open worlds, save a bit for the majority of people. Hmm. Yeah, actually, <laughs> so I haven't I haven't jumped into like city building uh, city builder games yet, um, but for for the reasons that Valentine stated, like time, and I actually haven't done a lot of gaming right now because of time, but it's um, I started I think I started gaming oh man way back so 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 it starts off with a story if if you're not familiar with this. You know, our podcast, Tisa and Wacha, I'm, I'm kind of like the storyteller. I just tell stories. But yeah, so um, started off way back when I was still in like grade crash. Okay, let's go crash uh, preschool for those who don't know what crash is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my mom actually used to be a gamer. So she would bring me games from, from work and then I would play games. So I started playing games a while back, you know, your Galacta, your Tetris, your Pac-Man, your Ski Free. If you know these games, you should be married by now. And um, it, it was such great fun. And then my uncle, when I was, I think, around grade one, grade two, uh, got me the, the first ever PlayStation, the, the lunchbox, 
the first gen PlayStation, like the one. <laughs> and uh, I, I had a couple of games. I had uh, I had Street. I had what? Uh, I think it was Street Fighter Two. I'm not mistaken. Uh, then I had um, UEFA Champions League, not FIFA. So yeah, I don't know the difference now because it was a long time ago and I played it. But the highlight of the mall for me was Gran Turismo. I had the first ever Gran Turismo and that was my precious. I would play that for days on end. I wouldn't eat playing that because I just love cars. So <laughs> I would play that for a while, doing the whole license gig and then going on track, setting lap times, beating my own lap times. It was fun stuff. Um, then it died. And then there was a big like, um, there was a big gap when it came to gaming from like when I was around grade two up until when I was in college. I think that's when I really got back into serious gaming. I was doing a bit of mobile gaming in the middle there, but when I got to um, college, which was 2015, that's when I started gaming and land parties in class were a thing. We would play, yeah, we would play some fancy uh, first-person shooter games, so your Call of Duties was the popular ones. Battlefield was also pretty popular, Battlefield 3 in particular. Then at one time, I had Battlefield 4 as well. That was fantastic. And we'll do these lands. They were awesome, man. Uh, I, don't know how we, I don't know how we made it through college because, hey, that backseat was all <laughs> gaming. <laughs> and, and so it kind of made me forget uh, the the car racing game bit because this was my first experience with first person shooters and they seemed amazing. Then some new car games appeared, you know, your need for speeds. Those were fantastic. And then I got fascinated with simulator racing games. So that's when I bumped into this game called Grid. That one was fantastic. I still play it up to now. Like right now it's probably one of the most played games on my PC right now. And I just love the fact that it feels a lot like sim racing. So as you're driving, you can feel it when the road surfaces change and you start losing grip or gaining more grip. You know, uh, you can feel the different di uh, driving dynamics of like a front wheel drive car from a rear wheel drive car, from like an all wheel drive car and all of those things. So um, felt so technical and so in tune to a car and you're feeling this through like a, a keyboard not even like a controller so for me it's amazing i'm yet to buy a controller so that i get like the full experience but uh first impressions where it's totally totally amazing and so if i am to pick the classes of games that i would say i enjoy most it would be so i would classify uh grid under what i would say arcade games so because of time right now I like arcade games because you can just play a small section of a game for like a small period of time just to refresh and then get back to business. Whereas completing a mission in like Call of Duty takes a while, like a while. In my Call mm -hmm. of Duty days, I know that that was not less than three hours on a single mission because a lot will just be happening. Those cutscenes will be unskippable. So yeah, it was crazy. But um Arcade games, top of my list right now, both on mobile actually and on PC slash console uh, because of how you can just refresh with a session or two and bounce. But if I do have the time, uh, open world games, I love those a lot, as well as first person shooter games. So um, your Call of Duty or Battlefield. Um, I haven't done much when it comes to uh, open what do you call them? Open world games. So mostly it was because I didn't have the horsepower. Most open world games need like a PC with beefy specs, especially on like uh, the GPU. And I didn't have that. So I kind of gravitated towards games that were CPU heavy, more CPU heavy than others. So yeah, I, I'm yet to dive into them properly. So hopefully soon but my top picks arcade games and first person shooter games 
Great. So you mentioned grid. That's the OG grid, right? Um, not yes, grid autosport. Uh, the one when you started with a Mustang and some sort of uh, Derby. Yes, yes. Roller derby. Ah, okay, okay, cool. Because yeah, I, I had I was a fan of that game as well. Like, it's like going up the tiers and get the cars getting better and better, and the tracks are really cool. Exactly. You get like F1 tracks like uh, Spa Franco Champs is in there as well, which was one of my favorites in the in the Aston Martin racing. I think it was the DB9. Not sure, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. For me, like, I, I love with the Mazda. Like, there was a Mazda for ride. I think it's probably the only supercar uh-huh. that Mazda never made. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I might have a video of that. If, if, I, if I feel like it, I might just put it on this podcast and just see me lapping Spa in a Mazda. <laughs> wait, wait. Did you try <laughs> to beat to do my the- laptop? You try to do the, the top speed thing on the Malzahn straight at Le Mans with the Morai, with the Forester. Ah, snap. So in grid autosport, there's no Malsan straight. Um, like there's no track with the, with the thing with the Malsan straight. So yeah, like if you want to go top speed, you have to go to like um, the high speed oval. I've forgotten where it is, but it's in America. It's, there's a high speed oval that I do high speed runs in. All right, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, the car talk and started, and I was just like, okay, here we go. We're not there yet, um, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, looks like as far as gaming, um, that's about it. So, first person shooter, um, pretty much we all agree that's like one of the best, and then open worlds, and then arcade and um, city builder games. So yeah, you guys started talking about cars uh, from these um, arcade games, uh, but that's what we're going to talk about next. So speaking of cars, uh, if you are in Zimbabwe, uh, what's the best car for someone to buy right now? Um, so let's start off uh, okay, with brands. I think just from a brand perspective, uh, which one would you say um, is the best? Then we keep on going until we see which one exactly is the best. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my 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 neck up for this one. Uh, <laughs> I would say Toyota. Um, probably this is probably the most dependable brand. Uh, well, every Toyota that I've ever driven and or you know, and I think we own one uh, Corolla. They they're pretty bulletproof. Um, they're resilient. So Toyotas in most cases are probably the best place to start. Um, mm-hmm. Even parts to find parts for them is, is not that difficult as well. Um, you know, Zimbabwe is not one of those places where you can go with the part number, but if you bring samples, um, you, you, won't, you won't be lost when it comes to, when it comes to parts. I think anything Japanese to that, to that effect, I think Mazda's as well are pretty good. Um, Nissan's not too sure. We had a, well, we used to have a hard body 2.4. It had, it had its issues. Um, I think of all the Japanese cars, that's the only one that really, it sold it on, but it really continuously had issues. Um, but yeah, the, the Toyotas are from every single person who I know who on the Toyota segment. It's, it's legit bulletproof. Um, you can... <laughs> so, <laughs> if you say that, right? Um, but like in the garage, you've got a, a Toyota a Mitsubishi, and it's not bulletproof right now. It's not looking very bulletproof. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. And yeah, it, it is kind of evident because. You see Toyotas everywhere. If you're walking in town or you're driving anywhere else, you you, you probably can't go in without seeing a Toyota. So for you, you'd say Toyota, Ed, uh, would you go on a different brand or it's also Toyota? It's like, hey, you can't go wrong. It is what expensive Tate is. It's going to be like Mercedes. You Mercedes. <laughs> yes, why not Mercedes? I mean, it's strong. <laughs> it is not All right, strong, so- man. So, so, so actually, uh, I would go with, I don't, so for, for when it comes to value, Toyota, I would say best value because as Valentine was saying, parts are readily available and it doesn't just die. So at least you have those parts sorted, uh, servicing and maintenance is cheap and the car just doesn't die frequently. Um, Nissan's, Nissan's, I think they are, I don't know, for me, they feel like one of the more unreliable Japanese cars out there. Um, 
I, I think I've seen better from even the likes of Mazda, um, Mitsubishi. Uh, yeah, because especially with the pickups, I know the front suspension for pickups on Nissans can be a problem. Just, uh, yeah, the knuckle joint just pops and you've lost front suspension. So uh, that one is, yeah, it's tricky. But I would say I'd go with Toyota. And then from Toyota, it's Mazda. Mazda just sucks on fuel consumption, but apart from that, it's also a solid car. And then uh, I think from there, I would go for something German. So Mercedes doesn't feel like a bad idea. That's a bad idea right there. That's a bad idea. Mainly because, no, like, <laughs> here's the thing. I feel like, People have problems with Mercedes because they don't uh, fully understand them. They are very complicated machines, but if they get what they want, they are tough to kill. I mean, I've been seeing some 90s, 80s, 250Ds, 300Ds, uh, 250Es, like that still run with no smoke. So whenever I see a car that doesn't smoke, after being in existence for so long, especially in Zim, for me, that's a strong car. It might be, a, it might not be cheap to maintain, but uh, yeah, why not? It's a strong car. Mm. So I guess that's a very good um, point to bring up uh, uh, the budget. So which I, we need some sort of price range to, to be talking about here because Mercedes could be the best given um, that the budget is unlimited, as you're saying, because they seem to last longer. So what's the range that we're talking about? Um, so uh, that one is, <laughs> that one and, is um, crazy. So I think I'll preface it by saying uh, majority of the vehicles that exist in Zim in particular are secondhand vehicles. And the second-hand vehicle market is very weird in the sense that it's, it's like market-dependent. So like mm. the really popular cars are pretty much overpriced. And the cars that are not popular, no matter how good they are, they are very underpriced. So for example, uh, I was doing some, yeah, more shopping than I should have yesterday. And... Yeah, whilst I was just running through like before, I just bumped into a 2010 Mercedes S550. And if you know cars, that's a very nice engine that you got in there. And that's also a very nice car. And it was going for like 7,000 bucks. But it was cheaper than a 2010 Honda Fit. So it's one of those things where you're like, oh my, this what? car, if we probably just the engine of this car could buy this Honda Fit, but for some reason, this whole car with no defects, because I was checking like the logs and stuff and just seeing, because I was really curious as to what was wrong with it. It looked pristine. And from what they were saying, it was pristine. But for some reason, it was cheaper than a 2010 Honda Fit. So, um, so it's, it's, it, it becomes a bit tricky now. Now, I know the reason why the Benz is expensive. Number one is that's a very big and powerful engine. So it's a proper guzzler. Uh, and the second one is it's a Mercedes. So you die when it comes to maintenance costs. Maintaining it yep. is pretty sketchy. Um, mm -hmm. If you want it to be serviced at a place where people know what they're doing, which means you won't have problems in the future, you've got to fork out the cash. So that's the part that just sucks about um, pretty much German vehicles in particular. So the Toyotas for me, whilst I was going through like the full range of cars, Toyotas just seemed to have the best value. So um, I'll, just, I'll just highlight my preferences according to what I feel I might be able to attain in the medium term. Yeah, not short term, medium. <laughs> So, mm -hmm. so my pick was because of the state of Zim roads, I was going to go with something like an SUV and I didn't want something too big, but I also didn't want something too small. So there's this, 
there's this car called the Toyota Vanguard. I don't know how many people know that, but it's basically a stretched RAV4. I'm pretty sure people know RAV4s. But yeah, the Vanguard is pretty much a stretched RAV4. It's a cool car. Um, comes with decent engines. It's not exactly a fuel saver, but I think when it comes to that class of SUV, it's like in the middle there. It's, a, it's, it's good on fuel, I would say. And it's got the room, it's the ground clearance, and the looks are hit or miss. Just depends on what you feel like. But in terms of pricing, that one was going for from around 4K to around 6K for like the, the, the okay ones. The brand new ones were going all the way up to like uh, 10, 15K. But yeah, the ones that I thought are in my range where I could buy them in the medium term, I would say four to 6K. So we, it seems like a fair price for the money. And then from there, um, I was going to go for a luxury Toyota because I like nice things. So uh, this was the Toyota Crown. I don't know how many people know that as well because it's not really out there in the streets. But the Toyota Crown is, yeah, it's basically like the Mercedes E-Class of Toyotas in terms of size, specs, and uh, where it falls in their hierarchy. Um, again, it's good on fuel. It's a Toyota and the engine that's, that's in like both petrol models. The engine is on a lot of Toyotas as well as a lot of Lexuses as well. So <laughs> parts are very widespread. It's easy to get parts for that. And it looks good. It looks, it looks really good. Yeah, it does. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool car. Uh, specifically from like the one from like 2009 because that one is in the price range that I could afford as well uh, same price from like 3 to like 5k in terms of the price range 3 to like 5,000 uh, and then lucky number 3 is one that I found last minute like literally last last minute after I was about to sleep I was like huh, let me just try Lexus and yeah the Lex Lexus is actually pretty cheap, eh? <laughs> I didn't know. And again, they share the same parts with Toyota. So I don't know why they're cheaper than the Toyota when they are Toyota's luxury brand. But um, there was a Lexus GS300 going for around 4K and a Lexus GS350 that was going for like uh, 2K, I think 2.1, 2K. So it was very interesting and... Yeah, it got me thinking, wow, not bad, not bad. I, I would like these. <laughs> so I think that kind of shows you the price range, what I would term reasonable in terms of cars. I mean, people are always going for, hey, I want a fuel saver and all that. But um, in terms of the technical aspect of cars, um, if the engine is too small for the body, you don't really save much on fuel. In fact, some cars start consuming more fuel than uh, cars with bigger engines. Like uh, I still remember the, the 2002 E-Class, the E240, it has a 2.4 liter V6. It consumes more fuel than the same year E320, which is a 3.2 liter V6. Just because like the engine is too small for the body. So it has to work harder to move the mass rather than a closely matched engine and body. So that's why my list doesn't have the typical fuel savers because I just feel eh, diminishing returns if we start going that low. I don't know about you guys. Interesting, very interesting. Um, so for me, I haven't looked at cars, got no idea what type of a car I would probably be buying. Um, but yeah, I'm taking notes over here. Um, I've seen the Toyota, the Lexus, and uh, yo, two Toyotas and the Lexus. Um, so Valentine, how about you? Um, uh, I'm quite, I don't know, I'm quite stuck in my ways when it comes to buying second-hand cars because when I look at Zimmer, I'm looking at longevity. How long am I gonna keep it for? Can I keep it for a very long time? Like maintenance costs are going to be uh, a big thing because 
obviously need to take care of a car while you have it. So stuff like oil changes and, you know, um, spark plug changes. Frequently you have to do that. The big first year engines, uh, I'm, I'm always tempted to drive them a little harder. So, you know, possible to grade a lot quicker. Um, so I usually try to steer clear of the Germans um, as possible. Um, uh, BMWs especially, uh, because I think it's the E36, uh, like which is I think the early 2000 models, uh, early 2000 model 3 Series. They had horrible oil leak issues. And um, in some cases, I think the, the nut that holds in the... the the pulley for the for the for the oil pump kind of backs off, and then you could kind of you could uh, engine with oil starvation. So I, I I always try to stay clear of those cars. Um, I usually go Japanese if it's something that I want to keep for a very long time. So in Zim is kind of thinking of okay, you know, uh, with the roads, would you go truck or would you go um, small sedan? And for me personally, I always go small sedan. Uh, and the one at the very top of my list is the Toyota. E110. That's the I think it's the 1996 to 2000. They go to 2002. I'm not sure, but that is usually my topic because even with 100,000 miles, you still got a pretty good car. I think all you need to do is change the timing belt and you get it. Um, do an oil change and you're pretty much good to go. Um, they, they will last a really, really long time. Um, I prefer one in manual because automatic is kind of it's kind of Bluetooth driving. So hey, 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 hey! You offended over here. So fun hey, fact, right. ever since I got my license, I have not driven a manual car. So yeah, I feel very offended when you say Bluetooth driving. I'm like, okay, like, I kind of get it in my head how you drive a manual car. So mm. yeah. But like, you need to get the feel as an interface. Like you need to feel like you're, you're part of the, of the whole journey and you get to control a whole lot more with, with, with the manual transmission. And like, I'm sure Ed would agree, one of the best things ever is downshifts. Downshifts are amazing. Like, it's... it's as long as the engine sings, downshifts are amazing. <laughs> yeah. The engine has to sing. That's why, I'm, that's why all, my whole car list is like V6s in it, because I like a cool engine. Uh, I'm going to disagree on V6s, because I think they're, they're, they're difficult. But I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so the E10, the Corolla, is probably the top of the list. Um, you can run it for years. It'll be dependable. It'll be good. Parts are cheap. Parts are, well, relatively cheap compared to other brands. Um, and, you know, um, if it dies, you can get some of There are a lot of mechanics who can fix it uh, on the cheap. Especially suspension components, I found, are a little bit cheaper than all the other cars. Um, and if you get one that's like under hundred thousand miles, you 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 you'll be you'll be, you be, you be good to go. Unsurprisingly, I would say Honda Fit is another one. I, I, they've had they have gearbox issues, I've heard. Um, but if you just take care of it, um, it'll it'll get you it'll get you really far. I think uh, again <laughs> with the how plentiful they are in Zim, your parts are going to be easy to assemble because like you know models don't do part numbers. Like that's the one thing I learned. I was like how do you how do you exist without part numbers? But okay. Samples work anyway. So yeah, you can use the are pretty cool. I think um for the size, um, fuel consumption wise, they're the good two. Many issues with those. If I was going to be indulgent, I would a little bit indulgent would be uh Toyota Hilux. Uh, of any range. Like I, I don't think that they have their issues, but I think if if you know if if you if you frequent um roles that are pretty bad, probably a good car to get. Um if you wouldn't be carrying anything. Dependable cars to get, uh, not bulletproof, but I think, um, you know, for them it, it it'll be it'll be a dream because like getting them out there is probably more reasonable because when you get to them, I don't know what what happens in Zimbabwe where someone will own a car for nine years and then sell it for the price they they, they bought it at nine years ago or the equivalent <laughs> of, which, which confuses me. I'm like, yeah, it, it's a, it's a ten year old car. You know, these things are depreciated far beyond uh, that. So like 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 it, I spent a lot of time on before. Um, mostly window shop. I'm still quite far from the point where I can you know, afford to get a car. But yeah, those would be my three picks. The, the, the cars I would say stay away from, uh, from personal experience. BMWs, ah, uh, infinitely complicated. Backlisted. Um, like, no. Yeah. Don't try if you it. Can don't get even one. try it. Yeah, don't. Because if you can get one, that, that's, that's pretty uh, well looked after and you can afford to, to keep it maintained. Um, they, they're pretty good cars. I used to have a 318i a while back. Really good car, fantastic car to drive, but 
yeah, they 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 have the the maintenance issues similar to Mercedes. Although I think BMW is slightly better on because Mercedes cars are pretty finicky. They have a, I think it's a W three hundred eight, what's called the C two twenty from the early two thousands. Yeah, she she's been a problem. I mean, she she's been a real problem. Um, uh, uh, the key died. The the turnkey uh, for the key died, and that apparently controls a bunch of systems on the car. And when that went, it just it went kaput because the car, the key wouldn't turn, and that cost about one hundred and fifty to one hundred seventy bucks to get fixed. Um, and then uh, the gearbox had issues earlier on, and then. It's it they're they're kind of like if you're gonna get it you have to nurse them and baby them. Uh, but if if you can't afford to do it then you know uh, why not? I think that generation of Mercedes are pretty are pretty good. Even the E class as well is 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 really nice. Um, in the performance wise, yeah, you know if you want a performance car, probably go to the Germans unless unless if you don't want to slap a turbo on your roller E10 and just roll like that. But yeah, I think starting off small and especially for availability of parts, price, bang for buck. Crawler E10 would win hands down um, for me. Mm, uh, yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, you you both have said a lot. I'm just like, okay. Um, at least you narrowed it down um, perfectly. So Toyota, uh, yeah, preferably RAV4 or the E10. Um, I think those are the two that were mentioned um, to be like the top. Um, or the, the Honda Fit or the Lexus as well. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if, if there's anything else. Uh, for me, I, I was pretty much okay. Um, consume, absorb as much as you can because the car experts are sharing their wisdom right now. <laughs> Oddly experts, man. More like enthusiasts, but <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think for, for me, that's, that's cool for today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Um, so, yeah, as always, it was cool chatting with you guys. And thank you to everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Goodbye.